Bible passage today. And I'm not going to use it as a text as I normally would. Uh, I'm not going to expound the text. I'm going to talk to you about the attitude of the people and the mind of God that is in this Bible scripture. And it's going to greatly bless you because of what's happening in our culture today, particularly surrounding the subject of abortion. And so I really want everyone to pay close attention to me. Now listen, I understand that every preacher has a responsibility. I know that. I say it to all the pastors when I talk to them on the phone week after week. You have a responsibility to address the issues to your congregation. In other words, don't fail to let them, you know, just kind of be on their own, coming up with their own ideas about critical issues. The Bible has answers. Can you say amen? amen. And Christian people are supposed to have a Bible world view. When we all come to church, we all come from a world of sin and craziness. We all come from a world of rebellion and addiction and all kind of brokenness. And it's easy to bring that to church with you until God teaches you better. My dad used to say, you know, if you don't know better, you can't do better. And so the reality of coming to church is when it's pulpit time, when it's preaching hour, that we sit down and say, God, speak to me, teach me, and get some of this crazy stuff out of my head so that we can walk in the mind and the will of God. And I want to talk a little bit about it today simply because, you know, we were over at the Bible conference when this whole Roe versus Wade thing started happening, and so I didn't get to address it. And then Pastor Ajala was here, so again, I didn't get to speak and address it. So today, you know, I want to be able to say something to help you because you watch the news just like I do. And it is very convincing if you don't know the Bible. You listen to these college professors, you listen to these health professionals, it's so convincing if you don't know what the Bible says. So I want to stop for just a moment and tell you exactly what God wants you to think about the issue. I don't have an agenda. I've never had an abortion. Now you guys may laugh, but today they say men can have babies. So if I say I've never had an abortion, it's not even strange anymore. I've never had a girl have an abortion. So I don't have no axe to grind, but I am a preacher of the gospel. And my agenda today is to instruct God's people because if you're wrong on critical issues, you'll be wrong on other critical issues. Then you'll be wrong in your judgment concerning yourself and your family and your children. And it just opens up a door for the enemy to come in and run roughshod all over your life. So I want you to start with me in the book of Hosea. Now keep your Bible open or pay particular close attention to the screen today because I'm going to give out a number of scriptures because I want to walk through what God actually says. And I want to preach about this today because I want this to be a resource, something that you can get a copy of and listen to later. You can send it to your Aunt Poogie and all the rest of them. And just say, listen, you need to hear what God says 
because everybody is following a world straight to hell. We need Jesus. Can you say amen, everybody? Amen. All right, Hosea chapter 7. I'm just going to read a few verses, starting at verse 8, and I'm going to go down to verse 13. So follow it closely in your Bible. Again, like I said, I'm using this so as to put you in the mindset of the people and bring you into the mindset of God. And I'm going to relate it to what's happening in our world today. Hosea chapter 7, starting at verse 8. If you're ready, say amen. Okay, it says, Ephraim has mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake unturned. Aliens have devoured his strength, but he does not know it. Yes, gray hairs are here and there on him, yet he does not know it. And the pride of Israel testifies to his face, but they do not return to the Lord their God nor seek him for all this. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without sense. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. These are people who are wealthy neighbors who have a lot that you can lean on instead of leaning on God. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. Verse 12 says, wherever they go, I will spread my net on them. I will bring them down like birds of the air. I will chastise them according to what their congregation has heard. Mm. Woe to them. For they have fled from me. Destruction to them because they have transgressed against me. Though I redeem them, yet they have spoken lies against me. Holy Spirit, we give your scripture into your care this morning as we talk about this. And I pray for a clear anointing tonight. That something spoken here would undergird your people in these difficult times ahead. And we pray that not only would you educate us, O oh God, but that you would save us from the power of this culture that is so pressuring down on each and every one of us day after day. God, we look to you because you alone have the words of eternal life. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Do you know how I got inspired to want to preach this to you today? Two weeks ago, I saw a video clip. It was probably about a minute and a half. And what it was is it was a bunch of evangelical churches, churches very similar to ours. And the pastors were addressing what had happened with Roe versus Wade. And in this video clip, every one of the pastors were saying that God is for abortion. Listen, every one of the pastors. They were all talking about this is a demonic attack against women. So listen, removing 
abortion as a federal right, they say, is a demonic attack against women. Let me tell you something. Killing babies is a demonic attack. And I'm looking at it going, how can these men of God be so wrong? And so I'm watching it, and one after another after another, they just kept on talking about how that if people were really pro-life, then they would do something about guns, and they would do something about starvation, and they've conflated the reality of what aborting a child is with other cultural issues. And I'm watching not just the pastors as they spoke, I'm watching the congregations as they speak. And some of the churches had hundreds, some had thousands of people. And as they were saying this, the people were standing up applauding, church-going people. And God said, look at it, son. It had become so twisted and so off base because I still believe that a Christian should have the mind of God. Are y'all with me on this? Now, like I said, I don't really have an agenda. I want you all to understand that it is so basic to me that if you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and you're part of his church, you need to walk in the will of God Think with the mind of God and do the things that please the Lord. So I realize that churches are following this culture and not following this Bible. And so what I wanted to do is just lay it down as clear as I possibly can today. And of course, it's never my intent to frustrate people, but somebody's going to be frustrated. Um, it's not my intent to get people all riled up, but somebody might get riled up because the truth sometimes is hard to swallow. But I've got to be true to my calling. Amen, everybody. So the teaching in this scripture is about how Ephraim had become unconscious of the judgment that was right around the corner. The Bible says that God is following them with a net like a hunter or a fisher would, 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 would bring a net and hook them in. He said, everywhere they go, I'm following them with a net. He says, I am against them. They, they didn't even know that right around the corner, the judgment of God is breathing down on them. And so God is trying to bring an awareness uh, that you guys uh, are facing this deadly judgment and you're just living life as if you have no clue what's just about to happen. So I started thinking. I saw this documentary some time ago, and it was a documentary about gallstone surgery. And if you've guys ever, ever seen any of these, like the Learning Channel, and they got these, they open people up, and they're chopping their bones. And anyway, so they've got this person open, and they're trying to get these gallstones out. And I'm looking at it, I'm going, this guy is laying there with his whole stomach open. He has no idea what they're doing to him. He's unconscious. The doctor can do anything to him he wants. He's unconscious. If it's a crazy doctor, 
he can stick his finger in his <laughs> and he can pour poison in there you know anything he wants to do why he's just laying there unconscious no concept of 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 how violent this whole act of surgery really is are y'all following what i'm saying <laughs> you know i've heard people say to me sometimes oh, pastor carnegie either you're gaining some weight or you're losing some weight and i say really I'm completely unconscious of it. I just see myself the same every day. But obviously, people can see things different than I can see. They say, yeah, you're packing on the pounds around the midsection. And then I got to take a look and, man, you're right. I wasn't even aware. Come on, I'm talking about this, the reality of you being unconscious of things. Do you know that there's people who sleepwalk? And as they're sleepwalking, it says they're just walking through the house, going in the fridge, and wake up in the morning and they left the trail of destruction. Did I do that? Yeah, you did that. Completely unconscious of what they've been doing. Well, that's what the Bible is addressing in this scripture that we read today. How Ephraim, which is one of the tribes of Israel, had become so unconscious of what was going on in their spiritual life. Do you agree with me that we all need to be aware of where we are with God all the time? Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm not just talking aware of where we are in the sense of spiritually, am I right with God? But when it comes to culture, we need to be aware as well. So this whole abortion thing, the thing that struck me is not the pro-abortion or the anti-abortion. And I know a lot of you, you know, you've, you've chosen your sides and, and that's fine. You, you, you do whatever you want to do. But let me tell you something. What God spoke to me about this whole abortion thing is that here we are in 2022 and our nation is unconscious of how far we have fallen. That is the issue. The issue is that before 1973, abortions were not allowed. Now, you know from the creation of Adam and Eve until 1973, folks, that's a whole lot of years. We're talking over 5,000 years of, of human history where women would get pregnant and have their babies. Well, along comes 1973, and abortion is made legal, and you can, well, I don't like the way the baby's going to look. I don't like, oh, it's got Down syndrome. I don't like, it's got a leg that's not developing right. But, you know, for thousands of years, uh, you know, we loved and lived with Down syndrome children or children that had handicaps. Matter of fact, their handicaps challenged us, and a lot of people were made better from having to raise a handicapped child. But all of a sudden, the humanist viewpoint comes in where your comfort and your convenience is more important than anything else in the world. And so all of a sudden, there's this downward slide to the point now where they're saying if a mother doesn't want to have a baby, 
and the abortion fails and the child is born, the state of Virginia said, leave it there to die. Leave it there to die. Yeah, because the mother didn't want it. She wanted to abort it. Well, the abortion didn't go right, and the baby is born alive. Well, 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 just leave it there to die. How many know that's not the will of God? Once a baby is born, it's now a patient. And doctors must try to save its life. So they want to upend the entire medical code, everything, spiritually and physically, naturally, socially, culturally, everything. Flip it all upside down because people simply want to abort children. Now, I haven't even got into the heart of what I'm saying, but my point is we in this nation have become unconscious of how far we have fallen. One lady the other day on the news said, I'm going to get pregnant just so I can kill the baby. Some of you saw the clip. It was, it was a disgusting clip on the, on the news. She said, I'm going to get pregnant just so I can abort and kill this baby. And now what are you going to think? Like it's my body and I'm going to kill it and I'm going to do it just to make a statement. See, that's demon-possessed. And she is unconscious of how far we have fallen as a country. You know, this whole unconscious thing is something that is addressed in the Bible over and over and over and over again. You know, the Bible tells us in one particular scripture, it says that when Moses came down from the mountain where God had given him the Ten Commandments says his whole body and face were glowing and he came down and he was unconscious of it. Everybody's looking at him and they could see the glory of God and he's like what's wrong with y'all? They're all and he, he's completely unconscious that God's glory is all over his life. You know what? I would love to have an experience like that. Yeah, you walk into church Sunday morning, everybody's just, oh! How about you walk into work like that for having a good Sunday service? And you walk in, everybody's just stunned like, Ashley? And you're like, what's wrong with y'all? You're glowing. It must have been them tongues on Sunday night. Who knows? The Bible says that Samson when he put his head in Delilah's lap, you know, the Bible says, uh, and the Spirit of God left him. He was completely unconscious that God had left him. He says, I'm going to get up, shake myself, and go defeat the Philistines. And it says, he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Think about how foolish that is. God's not with him, and he's going to go out there and stick out his chest. Y'all know who I am? I'm Samson. <laughs> And I'll wear you out. But this time God wasn't with him. And they whooped him and defeated him. Because he was unconscious that God wasn't with him. See, we need to be conscious. Hey, if, if you're doing something out of the way and God's spirit has left you, you need to know it. Yes, amen. Say amen with me somebody. Yes, 
If there's things in your life that God isn't pleased with and he's left you like he's left Samson, don't be sticking out your face acting like you still got the anointing that you used to have. See, this unconscious thing is a big part of biblical revelation. And so the reason I want to talk about this today is because as children of God, we are church people. We're sitting here today. We have accepted Christ. We have made him Lord and Savior of our life. And the one thing he wants us to do is be conscious of where we are. Is to understand the reality of it. Now think about the scripture. Look back in Hosea chapter 7. And it starts off in verse number 8 where I read it says, Ephraim has mixed himself among the people. In other words, Ephraim had started mixing with these ungodly Gentiles, these people who were not people who were edifying to the children of Israel or the will of God. He starts mixing himself with these ungodly people. And the Bible says as he's mixing himself among the people, the Bible says he becomes like a cake that's unturned. I love how I, you know, the Bible pictures are just unbelievable. He's not talking about a, a, a cake like a birthday cake. He's talking about a cake like a pancake. In other words, you put it in there, you pour it in the pancake dough, and one side is cooking, and the other side is still raw. That's what God is saying. It's like a cake unturned. You can't just eat a pancake with one side cooked. Come on. You got to turn it over before you eat it. He said, but he's like a cake unturned. You just sit there cooking on one side. One part of you is with God. The other part is with the world. One part of you is freshly baked and cooked, but the other part, you're still stinking, full of sin and disobedience and ungodliness. He said, this is who Ephraim has become because he's mixed up with the people of the world. And you might be mixing up today and you're unconscious that that mixing is leaving you half-baked. And this is what God is saying. He's like a cake that is unturned. But here is the kicker. Keep reading what it says in that scripture. It says, aliens, verse number 9, have devoured his strength, but he what? But he does not know it. All of his strength is gone. The testimony of God in his life is gone. And guess what Ephraim's doing? Praise the Lord, hallelujah, everything is fine. God said he has no idea. He's completely unconscious of his spiritual state between him and God. This is what the unconscious truth that the Bible is trying to teach us. It's very, very real. Now the reason I want to apply this to our culture today is because the people who are out protesting this whole abortion overturning Roe v. Wade, I know that they mean well. I can tell just by looking at the passion in their eyes. But they're unconscious of what it is that they're advocating. I sent a couple of pictures and I asked Dennis to have them ready to put up here. And you know, I'm not you know, I, I'm only doing this because I want you guys to kind of get a feel for where I'm at in this. Abortion on demand without apology. 
There you go. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Put the other picture up there. It says, keep abortion legal. So it's not just Washington, D.C. It's happening all around the United States. Thousands. They say upwards of three to four million protesters have been shaking. They're going into churches and they're going into counseling centers, setting them on fire, blowing them up. They tried to kill one of the Supreme Court justices. And they're unconscious of how far we've fallen. They're completely unaware of the judgment. The, do, do you realize that this Supreme Court decision may have stopped the judgment of God? So let me stop right here. And I'm going to spend some time giving you guys just a little mini Bible study. And if I don't get to the rest of my message, that'll be fine with me. But I want to give you a little mini Bible study because a lot of you sitting here listening to me and some of you online have never, from the day you were born, received a Bible study on this critical issue. No one has sat down with the Bible. Oh, you sat down with Aunt Pearl? <laughs> You've sat down with CNN or Fox News. You've sat down with professors or people at school. But you haven't sat down with the Bible and said, what does God say? Amen. All right, so I, I'm going to stop for just a few moments. And so we're going to educate ourselves on what God says. Because the Christian church is God's house. So let me begin in Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse number 10. All right, now I'm going to go through some of these scriptures, and I might go through a little quick, so just follow it up on the screen if you can't find it in your Bible quick enough, just so you can stay with me. Deuteronomy 19 verse 10 says this. It says, Lest innocent blood be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, and thus guilt of bloodshed be upon you. Now God is talking to the children of Israel specifically. And he's trying to talk to them about the reality of what shedding innocent blood means. The word means someone whose blood is shed but they were blameless or they were not guilty of any crime. Said so they did nothing. They're innocent. They deserve protection. But you've gone out and you've shed innocent blood. And here's what God says. Because you've done this, he said, the whole land is polluted or completely ruined simply because innocent blood has been shed. I look at what's happening in America today, and I'm not shocked. Some of you are completely unfamiliar with the statistics since 1973. They said a million babies a year just in the United States are aborted. They put the figure at over 63 million children. That's the population of countries like England, 63 million people. 
That's like wiping out an entire country. Luckily, the last four or five years, they say that number has slightly come down between 800,000 and a million. But regardless, the fact is, this is the shedding of innocent blood. And the Bible says God will curse the land and the land will not produce for you because of the shedding of innocent blood. Now that's just one. I want you to stay with me. I'm going to go through some scriptures. Go to Psalms 106. Psalms 106, verse 37 and 38. Psalms 106, 37 and 38. Watch what it says. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood. There's the term again. The blood of their sons and their daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan and the land was polluted with blood. Okay, hold that and go to one more. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. Proverbs 6, verse 16, down to verse 19. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. And he names these seven things. A proud look, a lying tongue. And notice number three says, hands that shed innocent blood goes on in verse 18 to say a heart that devises wicked plans feet that are swift in running to evil and a false witness who lies and one who sows discord among the brethren so in three bible verses God mentions his hatred for the shedding of innocent blood is everybody still with me now listen, this is not designed to make you feel horrible or anything. The blood of Jesus forgives you if you've had an abortion. Ain't nothing wrong. Hey, you liars and thieves and murderers, the blood of Jesus forgives us all. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? Amen. That's the beauty of the Christian faith is that we have a message for all abortion havers and all murderers and everybody else. Come to Jesus and find forgiveness. And without that forgiveness, you'll answer for the shedding of innocent blood. That's why I love the gospel. It's good news. Amen. So the question here comes up. Because as I'm watching all of these abortion protests across America, the question keeps coming up. When does life begin? Come on, it's being debated everywhere. I turn on the radio, it's being debated. It's on these websites, it's on the TV everywhere. When does life begin? Many people say, oh, that's not a life, it's a clump of cells. That's not a life, you know, it's just a, 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 a zygote. Fetus. They come up with, you know, oh, that's not a life. And, then, and so, in, in these people's mind, when the baby is born and can breathe on its own, and they use this term viable, when it can survive, then, of course, we accept it as a life. Now, the college professors, the feminists, the women's rights people, they all have taken that position. The problem is that it's not God's position. And if you have taken that position, I'm glad you're here today because you're not in God's will. 
Now, it's easy to shout hallelujah and speak in tongues, but to be a Christian is more than that. You've got to be on God's side. You're going to have to find God's will in the issues. And if you're out of sync with God, then don't get upset with me. Just change your mind. That's what the word repent means. It means change your mind. I was thinking this way because of my upbringing. I was thinking this way because of my training. I was thinking this way because of my experiences. But I've come to Jesus and now i got to think God's way. So let me give you God's position. You know, if I, like I said, if I run out of time, then that, that's fine with me. Let me just give you God's position. Watch. Leviticus chapter 11. Not 11, 17, verse 11. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. Oh, help me right here, Holy Ghost. Look at what it says, everybody. It says this in the Bible. One verse, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the what? Mm-hmm. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. The first line, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. There you go. That's God's position. God has mysteriously in his wisdom made life in blood. That's why no scientist has ever been able to make blood. If they want blood, somebody got to go and donate it. They can make artificial skin. They can make artificial arms, artificial hands. They can make artificial everything. They can give people glass eye. You can make artificial everything, but ain't nobody made no blood. You know why? Because only God can make blood. He said life is in the blood. Didn't he say it? So life does not begin when you are born. See, here is the fallacy. This is the problem with taking the world and the culture's position. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, 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 when the baby is viable and when they can breathe on their own, and that's when it's a life. That's not what God says. That's what your college professor said. But the Bible said life is in the blood. That's why many states are now creating what they call a heartbeat law. You might not agree with it. Fine with you. I ain't going to argue with you. But when a heart starts beating, I'm going to tell you what it's doing. Pumping blood. You can dance around the issue all you want to. But when, when the doctor says, hey, we can detect a heartbeat, that means the heart is pumping because it's starting to circulate the life. The life is in the blood. And if it's just a, a minuscule, but they see that little heart starting to pump, the blood, the life is starting to go through that little thing, whatever you want to call it. And that's where God says life is. It's the Bible. So, well, Pastor Marty, nobody never told me. Well, I agree with it that nobody never told you. That's why I'm telling you. Look at Psalms 139. 
verse number 14. Psalms 139. I'm going to read verse 14 down to 16. Watch this. This is going to make some of y'all really nervous. 139 Psalms, starting at verse 14. Watch. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the Lord's parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet what? Say it. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned me when as yet there was none of them. That's the Bible, y'all. God says here in the scripture, he said, my substance before I was formed, yet unformed. Where is it? Where is it? Help me. Right at the beginning. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. God, you saw me and I wasn't formed yet. So what does that do with, well, it's not a life yet? God said it is. God said it's a life and it's not even formed yet. Because in the mind of God, there was a will, there was a purpose, there was a substance. This is the word of God. And because it's never been taught, you know, a lot of these preachers now that I told you about, they want to completely avoid the Bible and make this a cultural feminist woman's issue. It's not. It's an issue of gospel truth. And the reality of where we are today is just like Ephraim, unconscious of how far we've fallen. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. So I believe that when we start talking about unconscious, because we, we, we understand the world is unconscious. You know, it's true. They drink all night and they're unconscious. Well, I'm going to get in the car and drive. I'm drunk. My judgment is messed up. They're unconscious. You're going to really run over somebody, crash and kill yourself. We get it. That, that, that's the world. That's the sinful world. They're going to smoke weed and shoot heroin and pop pills and unconscious of what it's doing to their health and their teeth are falling out and pits all over their face. You ever, you ever see these pictures of these meth heads? They didn't want to start off like they're completely unconscious of what this is doing to them. All of my money spent on liquor and alcohol and drugs and can't pay my rent, wife's mad, children hungry and can't do this, the got cops are coming after me, the bailiffs want me for this and this. They're completely unconscious that it's what you're doing that's creating your heartache. Walking around like I'm cool, got my Gucci on. Yeah, you're getting ready to get evicted, Mr. Gucci. Completely unconscious. So we get it. That's the world. That's what sin does to people. 
But God's people supposed to have something called discernment. The ability to look down the road and say one plus one is going to equal two. And if I don't want that two, then I need to back up a little bit. Come on, everybody. So we enter into this message right now, something called the law of habit. The law of habit basically teaches this, that the longer you keep doing something, the more unconscious you are that you're doing it. The law of habit. You become so familiar or so used to something that you do it instinctively without even recognizing what you're doing. It's like kids when they learn to walk. They're completely unconscious. Up, they fall. Two steps, they fall. Three steps, they fall. And one day, they're walking. The more they keep at it, the more, and they, before you know it, they're walking, and they don't say, hey, look, I'm walking. They're completely unconscious. Why? Because the longer you do something, it's so difficult to literally be conscious of the process of what it is you're doing. I hear people cuss all the time. Cussing bothers me. It really does. Because it's so easy to express yourself without bad words. It's so easy. And as a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's so much more intelligent to hear people when they're upset. You know, I am really, really frustrated with you right now. And I'm about to lose my head. I'm going to wring your little neck. And you can, there's so many ways <laughs> to express yourself. But you know, some people cuss so much they're not even conscious that they're cussing. Especially when I follow up on people. You know, Pastor, this man, man oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. It's only because they're in my presence. I'm, I'm sorry, they didn't even recognize what they're saying. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying. Unconscious of it. This is what the Bible is saying about Ephraim. He said, what a dangerous place to be. To be doing something that is so harmful to yourself and not even aware, unconscious, that God's judgment is beaten down on you. I look at America, I look at our country, and I'm looking at how many people are so unconscious of how far we've fallen. Have you ever seen any of the clips? If you haven't, look it up those abortion doctors who got out of the business because their conscience tormented them as they're laying down at night because of all the little baby arms and baby legs and broken necks that they pull out with those forceps and eventually it just gets to them and the money's not worth it and if you listen to them there's hundreds of them they're all over the internet they're like, I just got out I can't do it again. Oh, well, you know, it's just a clump of cells. He said, listen, I'm an abortion doctor. You leave that clump of cells nonsense to yourself. I've pulled little heads out and little arms and legs kicking. People are unconscious of how far we've fallen. 
So something else, not just the law of consciousness, the law of habit, but also what we call the blind spot. Some of you have heard the term the blind spot. You know, when you're driving, when they teach you to drive, beware of the blind spot. Off to the right, just about three quarters of the way back, something could be there and you won't see it. It's in your blind spot. And so you can be moving along in traffic and you switch lanes and crash because something is in your blind spot. Do you know that most of us in life have a blind spot? Oh, yes, we do. I'm talking about brilliant people. People who are so smart in one area, but they have this great big blind spot. And most people, it's when it comes to relationships. They love him so much that they can't see the demon in him. They love her so much they can't see the gold digger in her. It's a big blind spot. You know, all oh, the sex is good and she tells me everything I need to hear and all oh, he's just, you know, and they have no idea. Why do you think that, that, that over half of the people who get married get divorced? It's not because they walk down the aisle intending to get divorced. That's not the case. They'll always tell me, well, pastor, well, I didn't know that about him. You know what they're saying? Blind spot. Well, see, Ephraim had a blind spot. And what the Holy Spirit of God does for us as believers is he gives us this thing called discernment so that we can see what we normally couldn't see. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit opens up our eyes and shines the light of God so that we can live a happy, fruitful, and prosperous life. And God is so good. We have to thank him today for this. When it comes to this abortion issue, our nation is in a blind spot. So that's why our job is to pray. Because everybody's not as evil as they seem. They just can't see it. You know, over in the book of 2 Thessalonians, it's one of the scriptures that talks about the last days. You know, we're living in the last days and we talk about Bible prophecy before Jesus comes again. And the Bible in this scripture in 2 Thessalonians 2, starting at verse 9, describes the condition of the world before Jesus comes. And I just want you to see so that you can be aware of this before I finish this message. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 down to verse 11. Watch, it says, the coming of the lawless one, speaking of the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God sent them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Look at this. That they all may be condemned who did not believed the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. One of the things the Bible says that's going to take over the land before the final hour of the rapture, he said, is there's a strong delusion coming upon people. He said, it's like a, a stupidity. It's like an ignorance. He said, it's like God, because you didn't love the truth, you didn't want to go to church, you didn't want to listen to God, or you didn't want to line up with God's will. God says, he just backed away and let strong delusion, delusion is where we get that word deluded from crazy. 
And the Bible said he just allowed it to come on people, drink themselves to death, inject themselves to death, divorce their happy, good families, just walk away, just, just, just destroy themselves because they're in a blind, they can't see it. People who otherwise would walk around, they got a degree from the university, they got a, a, a master's degree in business administration, they, they, they got a, a successful business, they got all this going on, but, but, but they can't keep their family together. Like I said, can't stop swearing and cussing and being angry and, and then and, and he bobbles out strong delusion, not just a delusion, he said a very strong delusion. That's why the girl said, I'm going to get pregnant just so I can kill this baby. That's a strong delusion. And that's where we are. And we can't see, like Ephraim, how far we have fallen. Well, let me finish the message. And what I call a few little things that might help us. Things is what I call an abortion perspective. And I'm going to use what the Bible uses here in the book of Hosea when it talks about Ephraim. You know how God described Ephraim's condition? What did it say? It said gray hairs. Y'all remember? Come on, go back to it just in case you forgot about it. It says that gray hairs are upon his head. It says Ephraim doesn't even know it. That's what it says. Verse number 9 in Hosea chapter 7. It's talking about someone like me, got gray hair. Said he's looking in the mirror, gray hairs are beginning to pop up. And he doesn't know how to deal with the fact that I've got gray hairs popping up. Because gray hairs are a symbol that you are aging. <laughs> Woo! You can't stop it, folks. Gray hairs are a sign that you are getting older. Now, for some reason, this crazy generation we live in think older is bad. It's not. You've been there, done that, lived it, and you're supposed to be more mature and smarter. Isn't it horrible? to see a dumb 70-year-old? It's pitiful, ain't it? You see a 70-year-old guy or 70-year-old woman still stumbling down the street drinking like, you ain't got over that yet? You're 70, you're 75. Anyway, that's another message. But listen to me. Gray hairs are a symbol that you're aging. And so Ephraim doesn't know what to do. The gray hairs are popping up. So I want to relate this to the issue at hand. And I'm going to give you a couple of things and then we're going to finish. Let me begin by saying this. <laughs> gray hairs in Ephraim's case is not a bad thing. He's using this as an analogy to say that you're beginning to go down and you better become conscious of it. Remember this whole idea of being unconscious. Say so you're beginning to slow down, you're beginning to get old, 
And the gray hairs are an indicator that you're getting older, you're beginning to slow down, and that's not a bad thing when God shows you your condition. Did I miss something? Y'all got to, that's an amen place right there. It's not a bad thing when God shows you your condition. Now, of course, nobody likes it. Listen, folks, I've been a preacher a long time, and I don't like it. I don't like sitting there. We go to the Bible conference, and somebody's preaching about something, and you're getting all convicted, and you're sitting there all nervous. You know, God, you know God's all over you, and you just want to get up and run out. No, no, it's not a bad thing. Stay there and take it. Grow. Let God change you. Get on the altar. Say, God, I'm sorry. It's not a bad thing when the gray hairs pop up. If anything, it's a good thing for you to wake up and realize, okay, it's time for me to start acting my age. Not a bad thing when God shows you your condition. You know, People complain a lot about them grays when they come in. <laughs> it's almost as if, <laughs> gray hairs, listen to this one, <laughs> shouldn't make light of it, shouldn't blow it off. It's time to be aware of your changing circumstances. Some people, they see gray hairs, and they pull them out. They got the tweezers. <clears throat> well, another one's going to come right back. Do you know that's how rebellion starts? Refusing to acknowledge what's real. Gray hairs are coming. No, they're not. Then you look in the mirror. See? They're all gone. They're not gone. In other words, I'm going to rebel against the aging process. I will not. I know somebody that broke out crying on their 40th birthday. And the reason is because it was a pastor's wife. And he's asking me what I should do. I said, cry with her, bro. That's all I can do. She's been young her whole life, 20s and 30, and 40 here. She, 40, ah, she just cried. You know, she's in there, baby, come on, make breakfast. No, 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 I'm 40. You know what? Then you're going to be 50 and 60, and one day you're going to be with Jesus. You can't fight it. So I'm talking about the, what's happening in our culture. You know, the reality is that the judgment of God is coming. We're not going to be able to fight it by says We're all going to stand before God. No one is going to live forever. Y'all say amen. That's what Pastor Ajala, when he was preaching last Sunday morning, talked about death. The reality is we're all going to have to stand before God one day. You can pluck out the graves. You can pretend it's not going to happen. But one day they're coming for you and they're going to lay you right here in front of this altar. gray hairs. I'll tell you what some people do. They dye them another color. 
They see them grays, go out and get the, the brunette hair dye, the blonde hair dye. I'm not having that. Well, that, that, that's fine. Listen, the Pastor Warner used to say, if the barn needs painting, paint it. So it doesn't bother me that you dye your grays, but at least know that they're there. Listen, people dye them another color. You know what that would be synonymous with? It's like calling it by another name. That one is gray. No, it's brunette. It's not brunette, sweetie. That's gray. No, it's not, see? <laughs> that is a life. No, it's not. Yes, it is. You can call it something else all you want to. See, he wants Ephraim and all of us to be conscious of where we are physically in our life, where we are spiritually, and where we are as a culture. And not fight against the plain, simple truths that Christians must grow into a biblical worldview of everything. And I know what I'm saying to you right now. If I was to put it on YouTube, they would probably cancel the YouTube channel. That's what they do. You can't say anything that's true. God says life is in the blood. He said life was there before you were formed. So God's worldview of a baby and a pregnancy is not the same as the university professors. They're different from God. They're secular. And so your job is to line up with God. Because we bring this to church with us. And most people are very, very sweet. And they're not you know, evil intended. But they've been taught from the pains of life. Some people, I had to have that abortion or I wouldn't be who I am today. And they're so convinced, you know, by, 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 by the medical world. And you can't even really trust the medical world anymore. God knows I, I hate saying it. But now the American Medical Association are, are, are putting their lot in. The Congress is come, probably going to vote on this before the end of the year. That you no longer have to put male and female on a birth certificate. Doctors are saying this. If anybody knows biology, it ought to be a doctor. That baby drops out for thousands of years. They said, boy or girl, didn't they? Amen. Now they're going to say, well, what is it? Well, the Supreme Court Justice Kataji Brown says, I don't know what a woman is. You know how many degrees from law universities that woman has? She's a brilliant lawyer and a judge. And she's sitting on the nation's highest court. And she said before the whole nation, I don't know what a woman is. I don't even want you on a Supreme Court. What's going to happen when there's a case concerning a woman? I, I, I don't know. The problem with some of y'all listening to me is you agree with this. This is what they're calling wokeness. It ain't wokeness, it's sleep. You need to wake up. <laughs> a child of God must have the mind of God. Because right around the corner, the judgment of God was waiting for Ephraim. 
And they were walking right into it. He says, because the gray hairs are on their head and they don't even know it. I pray today for God for every one of us here today that as it relates to our culture, listen, you ain't got to be perfect. You ain't got to get everything right. That's why we're saved by grace. Come on, folks. I know that right now. But I'll tell you this. Get on God's side. You won't be loved. You might not be accepted. You might be mocked and ridiculed, but it's okay. They mocked and ridiculed our Savior. Come on, didn't they? They crucified him on a cross. And he says, if you're going to be one of my disciples, you're going to have to take up your cross, which means you're mocking. You're going to have to take up your cross, which is your belittling. And he says, you're going to have to follow me in a hostile environment. The church should not back away. You know, the picture that I saved on my computer just this morning were these abortion protesters. Some of you might have saw this on the news. They took the man's Bible. He was out there preaching. They're out there protesting abortion. My body, my choice. And, you know, and the guy's out there preaching. No, it's not your body. And he's pre And they snatched the man's Bible, threw it on the ground, and started playing soccer with it. Don't realize how far we've fallen. Kicking the Bible. And then when they were done kicking it and the pages were falling out, they picked it up and went and threw it inside one of those porta potties with all the sewage. Don't know how far we've fallen. Right around the corner, there's a judgment. You got to get on God's side, folks, in this last days. Because it won't be long now. Because God's not going to put up with this for too much longer. I'm just grateful that there's a little bit of a reprieve that maybe here in Georgia, because I think in Georgia they got the heartbeat bill. You know where as soon as you hear a heartbeat, you can no longer kill that baby. And you may hate the governor, but I'm going to tell you, he got that one right because life is in the blood. And once that heart starts beating, there's blood. And where there's blood, there's life. You can say what the professors say. We're going to say what God says. Are y'all with me on this? Let's give God praise. Come on, hallelujah. Bow your heads with me and let's take a moment to pray. Father, we're grateful.